Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this free episode of Dunk Don. Nate and Danny go over the worst contracts in the NBA. And by the time you finish listening to this, you might be curious... What are the best contracts in the NBA? If you want to listen to that podcast, subscribe to Dunked On Prime. We've got that version ad-free, dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. Feels like it's been so long since we discussed. Is this one of our favorite topics? I I don't know. It's one that's going to be difficult to parse this year because we have a number of interesting situations. We have more extensions than basically we've ever had in the Dunkdown era that are coming online. Big stuff out there for sure. And then we also have, though, the rising cap environment. And frankly, we also have a period where having cap space isn't really that valuable so hey if you're paying some guy four or five million extra like does that really matter that much Uh, as long as you're not just running into the tax uh, and if you're not like a super competitive team or or uh, i think this is going to be really interesting to go through and discuss what we think are the worst contracts in the nba given this new context uh, that i think is somewhat unique uh, since we started doing this list back in 2015 it is bizarre i i think the closest that we've probably come is 2015 where at that point you know we knew there was a cap spike coming and we had a we had an idea of where things were and we don't know if the coming one is going to be nearly as extreme because both sides have learned lessons from from that and i think that there are a couple of different elements of this that are important to get out there at the beginning and one of those is generally speaking and there will be we'll we'll talk about it a little bit is that the way you and i have done this over the years has been kind of ranking these to the extent that we'll rank them in order of how far underwater they are and this is not about a bad player gets 10 million well if a bad player gets 10 million and it's an expiring contract then it's a maximum of 10 million dollars underwater unless they are a truly destructive player that the team has to play so that means smaller contracts it's harder for them to be as destructive and then the other extremely important one of those is that remember we're recording this in december that means the off season is already done so contracts that are set to expire this league year shout out russell westbrook are not that destructive because teams have already done the primary business they're going to do free agents have signed trades have happened and so the idea that those like the damage that those contracts have done is largely already in the past and so for me at least those contracts can be real bad there are plenty of them that are but they're not going to be among the worst contracts in the league because they just aren't impacting teams negatively from this point forward that much yeah that's a very reasonable to think about and i think one of the other things that i even ran into this with best contracts in the nba as well is just man these go out really far and it's just so hard to know 
how these are going to turn out and a lot of these deals when we think of best contract worst contract you might say hey you know what like this this deal this guy produced for two years and then he had three years of just absolute shit production there it was just a useless 45 million dollars on our books at the end but hey we made it to the conference finals in the first two years because we had this guy on our team and if we didn't pay him this contract he wouldn't have been on our team for that period so i think one of the things you really have to focus on in some ways is the team that the guy is on how much he's helping them like clay thompson i think is a good example of this right like clearly not 40 million dollars worth of production but he's also on a team that's a championship contender and he's contributing for them so like that has to go into the analysis as opposed to gordon hayward just printing michael jordan's money for a team that's going to be like deep into the lottery again and the the initial signing made no sense it just like there's no reason for this guy to be making this money on this team so i do think i'm going to be a little bit more context specific there in addition obviously to the how far underwater is it you know what would the guy be what would this guy's production actually be worth versus what's he getting paid that's obviously the biggest component but hey if if at least the decision to have this guy in your roster is like help if this guy at this price is helping you achieve your goal as a team i'm willing to be more lenient and and your goal isn't making the play let's let's. (laughs) yes yes yeah, fair, and, and it's, fair enough. And and I will note that we're in an unusual place. So you so you brought up the idea of involving that context, and I think that's completely fair. I will also say that as we do in other contexts, like uh, rankings and everything else, it's from I evaluate from this point forward. So the past matters. That's how, part of how we evaluate these players. And so you brought up the idea of like a contract having surplus value at the front and then negative value at the back. More common in baseball contracts were in their hot stove right now, but also very prevalent in basketball contracts. Jimmy Butler is probably a really good example here. And I, generally speaking, I'm not going to count in terms of how good or bad the contract is, what they do. But oftentimes those players, like you brought up Clay Thompson, he was an important part of the Warriors championship team last year. He is an important part of their team this year, wherever it is that they end up settling. And that, so that does matter, but I'm not going to go, it's not a reevaluation of the contract or extension as it was signed at the time it was signed. It is for me, it is an evaluation of that, of that deal as it stands at this very moment. All right. So we're just going to throw some candidates out here, talk about them and see if we can, if not come to a consensus, at least inform each other's Oh, oh let me make one other quick note before we do it. Okay. Um, these, we are evaluating all of this from a team centric concept. So that means it's, it's what it is for the team. So if you want to say, well, what about for the players? Think of it kind of in reverse, you know, if it's, if, if, if we think a contract is very bad for a team and this will come up when we do best contracts as well, then that means we probably think it's good for the player and vice versa. Like that's so, but, but you think about it in that way in some ways, because evaluating it from a team concept, because they have these constraints of building a team and the salary cap and the luxury tax, that's the better way. That's the better way of framing this discussion. Though, if you want to think of it from a player centric context, basically just reverse it. Okay. Where do you want to start here? And I mean, obviously we're going to rank these in the end, but you know, we, Sure. Start start with some uh, some whoppers. I, I think one that is worth starting on, and I don't know how how highly it's going to rank, is one that we actually don't have a formal number on, and that's Damian Lillard's. Because Damian Lillard, the end of his extension is during the is so far out that like I remember I was helping Shams do do estimates on this that we don't exactly know. So I'm using as a rough proxy 
that after this year, the Trailblazers owe Damian Lillard $202 million over four years. It could end up being even higher than that or lower than that, depending on where the cap ends up. That will be the 25-26 league year is when we will be able to finally assess the final two years of that. And Lillard at this point, and so remember, this is four years after this year, Lillard is in his age 32 campaign, so this will be 33, 34, 35, and 36. And first time we get to talk about this, from a team perspective, a player option is a bad thing because you assume that the player and his agent are going to make the right decision. So if player X is actually better than that contract, they can opt out. They're bringing, they'll be an unrestricted free agent. They can leave if they want. Not that I expect Damian Lillard to do that. Yeah, well, you see to it. It could also just be a vehicle where they can reduce it down, like Chris Paul, for example, extend for a little bit longer to reduce it down and come to an agreement that's better for both sides than that would have been. But that that's a rarity too. Sometimes the guy's just going to opt in because he's not good anymore. And and let's just be clear on this: like Damian Lillard, maybe is worth his contract this year. We'll see. Like I think if he stays healthy the rest of the year, he'll kind of be right on the borderline. Looking at the production, whether it makes sense to have him on this team or not i think the idea of it having him continue on as a portland legend like he's a good enough player i think that he deserves that whereas i would say bradley beal who eh, could come up would be on the other side of that line where i think lillard is just a better player portland has more around him and just generally has, has been just a more impactful player he's gotten this team to a conference finals to where he maybe deserves this golden parachute in a way that someone like bradley peel doesn't and oh by the way he also doesn't have a no trade clause I, I mean here's the other thing though danny like i think lillard could be traded right now for positive value on this contract i think so too though some of that relies on how teams like you only need one suitor and trust me it's going to come up with a name i'm going to bring up in the next 15 minutes um you only need one but also on that point so not saying it's gospel lillard is 13th right now in offensive epm and he's missed some time so the sample is a little bit different but the idea that he is one of the league's better offensive players at the moment in his age 32 season like not only does that give you hope for how his game is going to age and lillard is a very capable shooter so you have that component as well though he is already bad at defense and will continue to get worse But the specifics for the city, the level of play that he has right now, those are strong arguments in favor of Lillard. It being a rich contract and it potential and it likely becoming a negative value contract, but not being as negative as some of the other ones we'll discuss. Yeah, I think that's right. I think especially because he could be traded for positive value, like he wouldn't, I don't think, be in the conversation for even if if you looked at overall the history of, I mean, six foot guards who are 34 not to mention 36 and and how much he's going to get paid and also even the whole rising cap thing doesn't help you because he's going to be getting the absolute maximum that he can under that rising cap whether it's 120 percent of what he was making previously or the the max you know it's going to be basically whichever is smaller of those two figures so I mean, maybe there's a possibility the cap could go up so much that the 120% wouldn't be at the 35% max. That seems unlikely. So there's even that component where he, I think, is the only contract right now where the fact that the cap will probably go up significantly in 25, 26 is almost irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I mean, this one could be a total disaster in the end, but the fact that he is still a very good player right now and there would definitely be teams interested in having him and yeah, you deal with the rest of that contract 
contract when you deal with it but uh you know that that would be i, I guess maybe we sh- should we consider danny the fact that he when did that deal get signed can he be traded at this deadline i don't think he can if that's true then you would probably have to reduce the value down a little bit uh, more lillard signed his extension july 9th okay so, so he a- could be traded then no, it's a one year. It's a it, it's designated. Oh no, no it's, no, it's not. not. It's at it's this not. is the extension after the designated. You're veteran right. Extension. So yeah. then, yeah. So he could be. Ben Simmons is owed two years and seventy eight million dollars after this season. That that's a lot fewer years, and that matters. That matters here. And Simmons, the the best optimistic version of him is probably close to worth this contract. I mean, he's a capable defensive player, even if he hasn't played up to that level so far this year. And I'm, of course, like most people, more worried about the offense. But A, the defense, by and large, has not been at that level so far. And Simmons is such a specifically hard player to fit in offensively that he runs into the problem that you and I originally articulated with Russell Westbrook, which is how do you incorporate him on a good team because he is not good enough at the things he does well to justify that kind of offensive role. Yeah, and this came up obviously when Philly was trying to trade him, and that's before we knew he was having this back surgery and these knee issues popped up again, and now he has the calf issue. And yeah, all right, he was starting to play a little bit better, but still wasn't looking as good as he was looking at 21. And I I happen to think even at that point that he was pretty overpaid. And it's just so hard to win with him. Now, if he could just give you some rim protection on defense, and really play small ball center on defense they've tried him there but i don't think he's really been a hugely positive option then maybe you would have something in terms of the fit but obviously his lack of shooting still not being too excited about going to the foul line i think he really has lost athleticism from what we've seen so far and i think that's hurt him on the defensive end too so i'm not sure that ben simmons is even a positive player on the vast majority of teams like i i I mean the number of games that he's played in where i think he's actually helped brooklyn win more than just like you know some backup forward would have is you you could probably say he's hurt them in more games than he's helped them i would say rather than just kind of a, a like some other just average rotational level player so yeah this one is way underwater i mean i think ben simmons is you know the guy that let's let's just say it's the guy that we saw for five games or whatever it was before he hurt himself again with the knee and slash calf like what what is that player worth to you oof huh i mean because my my big criticism with simmons is that you i don't think he's good enough in the primary action unless your team is just doesn't have another creator like you're you know you're really like spursy let's call it let's put it that way if you just don't have another guy and a a most of those teams aren't trying to actually win because you would have somebody better than him and you need so much specific skill offensively outside of simmons so we brought you brought the idea that he could be viable as a small ball center and we'll see if that works defensively but you still need four other players on the floor that can shoot to really maximize him and so that puts a lot of pressure on your general manager puts a lot of pressure on your coach in terms of who you're going to play so i'm still i'm just i'm just not there i to me the player that he was even during kind of the good times is like i guess that's like a 15 million dollar player i don't know and now that's I'm not going to rule out that he can just start feeling better physically and feeling more comfortable like he has missed a bunch of time, etc. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't rule that out, but you could also 
say, hey, there's a chance this guy could just like never really be healthy and in a rhythm the entire rest of this contract. Right. And you could, I'm sure Simmons supporters and Nets fans could lean on the Andrew Wiggins example where Andrew Wiggins was a staple in these conversations. And then A, he improved. And B, his contract got shorter, and so he that that made it work better. But the one of the differences is Wiggins has been significantly healthier than Ben Simmons has, and there was always this idea that if he could do X and Y, most specifically defend at a higher level, that he could be a valuable player on a good team. Both both those guys actually have good positional size, but. Simmons' injury history definitely scares me. And his approach, like the idea that he, Ben Simmons has been a really, really good basketball player for a long time and has done minimal. He has he has taken minimal strides. I don't want to I can't talk about effort because I, I, I you don't see him in the practice gym and all that. He has taken minimal strides at the things that have been his weak points for his entire basketball life. Ben Simmons is a career 60 percent free throw shooter. He has never shot better than 62 percent in any given season. Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, you're even though he is young there the hope of is that okay maybe he could get back to his previously established level of performance the idea of him cresting some new frontier is pretty much gone to me at this point yeah. i, I want to go transition to a different i i put the three of them together i called it the 2024 expirings division so if you we look past this year these are three players who make a lot of money but it's only for one additional season and that's clay thompson will make 43.2 million next year tobias harris 39.3 gordon hayward 31.5 which of those do you think is the most underwater Oh, it's got to be Hayward just because the idea of him being on the floor. I mean, at least Thompson, I know he had the, the Achilles and stuff, but he, he, other than that, he hasn't had any major injuries. He hasn't had any injury issues really after the Achilles and the ACL. And Tobias Harris uh, almost never gets hurt either. And Hayward is a, a good bet to play two-thirds of a season. And I also would say that Gordon Hayward, even when he's available, is the worst of, of those three players. I think that's fair. It, it, Clay Thompson is in the midst of his second consecutive injury recovering season where he's been well below the league average in terms of true shooting and when you consider that he doesn't have a, typically a lot of creation on there and he's gotten he's gotten different defensively he doesn't have the you know the ability to defend guards the way that he used to but i i wholeheartedly agree i basically if the difference is i have to pay an extra 12 million dollars to have clay thompson instead of gordon hayward even considering clay still kind of making his way back from his twin injuries i do that without a, a second's hesitation and with tobias harris i I mean, I think we've gotten actually a useful example this year. Contract's still well, well underwater, but he can help out. Like he can be a part of it. He's not the greatest defender. He can help out your team there. And he's not the great, you know, he he doesn't scale as much offensively as definitely the Sixers, you know, call the Colangelos hoped he hoped he would, but he can be a part of a functioning offense, which I think is also true for Hayward if he's actually, you know, on the floor. Uh, to be fair, it was not the Colangelos uh, who traded for him. It was the Elton Brand. Oh, that's Brett right. Brown conglomerate. That's right. I, I got the timing wrong. I, I apologize to the Colangelos, which I don't. I don't often do. I'll give Jerry some credit for getting Team USA back on track. So. Sure. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I don't, these are probably short enough at this point that I wouldn't put any of them in that category. And um, these are, I mean, Hayward to me is the one where you're just like, eh, I don't want to have a on my team really probably at all at anywhere close to that price. Whereas Clay, Tobias, it's like they, 
and particularly Clay, like he, and granted he's has more value to Golden State maybe than anywhere else, but he is, has enough gravity, has enough defensive chops, can still switch onto bigger players. I think he's not just getting like complete. I think he's been a little bit better defensively this year than he was in last year's regular season, but he ended up holding up pretty well in the finals. So there's, he still helped the team win a championship just last year. I mean, Jordan, and sure. Jordan Hayward isn't even going to be on the floor for that. But yeah, I mean, I think you probably got to have to be on like, you know, I'm certainly deserving of mention, of course, but to be on this list, you got to be top five or, or I'm sorry, you got to go out at least two years after this one. One small note on that. And I just think this is kind of amazing. Gordon Hayward is making almost the same amount next year as Tim Hardaway Jr. will make in the two remaining seasons of his contract. You can argue about which of those structures you'd want. There's a team specific context of would you rather eat all of that in one year or have it in two. But, you know, it's just something I want to mention. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice 
heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout please remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us i'll go to another player and one who's harder to evaluate i don't think we'll spend as much time on him rudy gobert just got traded for an absolute ton of positive value but after this year owed 130.5 million over three years he does have a a player option for that third year and gobert not playing up to his full defensive standard how some of that might blame probably goes on his timberwolves teammates and everything else but we're getting a clear indication of Gobert's offensive limitations and the idea that he can be that maximal defensive player of the year type of guy as he's aging, as he's getting into his 30s. That's it's possible, but the certainty of it is getting more faint. Yeah, and Dan noted this today. Tim Connolly is saying, yeah, I've been on Rudy, but his block rate is low. It's like, <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's, it's not something where it's like, okay, if you, you you wanted to like go crazy going out of position to block more shots, like, but, and even last year, you know, you were on this more than me about him slipping. I didn't feel that way when you looked at the overall team concept, uh, at least last year. But uh, I mean, clearly he hasn't been the difference maker that they hoped. I and mean, he's still doing some good stuff, but teams are also shooting a much higher percentage against him at the rim than normal and you know again it's it's not like the wolves have terrible personnel around him it's at least not compared to like last year's jazz for example so i I do think he slipped that's what you would expect there are very very few players when you look at the history i mean because he's he's being if he's not a defensive player of the year level of player he's like drops down to being like a 20 million dollar a year player you know if he's just going to be clint capella well that's what clint capella gets paid so you're 20 million dollars underwater and you know it could even get to the point where he's not even clint capella a couple of years from now and his offense looks just as bad as ever if not worse and so i'm not going to say he's a bad player i think maybe on the right team he could still be worth this contract for this year that we are currently in but I mean, that's what was so remarkable about this trade. It was like, this was in the aggregate, not a great contract. And this wasn't a team that we felt like was in the win now type of mode, at least not if you're being realistic to where they could take advantage of the quote unquote good years on the contract. So yeah, I, I, this one's going to be right up there for me, I think, especially because they're just, once you get beyond age 31, 32, and there just aren't guys who are playing at a defensive player of the year type of level, you really would struggle to go back into history to find players like that who, I mean, there's Bill Russell, I mean, Draymond's looking like he might get there, you know, KG, it's like, like, and Gobert is a very, very good defensive player, but there are not many examples well, in the history of a guy who would live up to this contract of the defensive end. Here's another age. 
here's another way of phrasing it. Gobert's making in the 40 million plus range over the next three years of this contract. You know, for, I think the median on it is like 43. Lillard's median is higher than that, but it's like 40, I think it's like 47. I'm significantly more confident based on their skill sets and sizes that Lillard will be a productive player in some form in, let's say, 24-25 when they're both under contract than Gobert. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, Rudy at least has maybe is better in terms of health than Lillard at this point. And so, and like size generally ages a little bit better, but so does shooting. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably right. Uh, and, you know, Lillard has the additional year. And also, the last two of these years will be in the like mid 50s instead of 40 million. Like, we, we gotta, we gotta remember it, right? It's like, it basically, the way it's been the last few years, like, all right, over 35 million, it's like whatever. But it's like, no, we're gonna have like, there's gonna be a huge difference between 35 million and like 55 million with some of these deals. Um, yeah, but Rudy's gotta be right up there uh, for sure. Bradley Beal is another one where now he has been playing more efficiently this season, and he's also at an age where you don't expect a major drop off right away. But the history of contracts like this at 35% of the cap over five years. Oh, by the way, no trade clause, which I'm sure is was part of why he should be nominated there. And you know, he's been he's averaging 23 points a game, shooting 35% from three, free throw attempts per game way down still, though. And he's playing, I think, more within the team concept, playing better defensively, shooting well from two at, at 59%. That would be a career high by almost 5% on two-point shooting. But he also hasn't necessarily, you know, the Wizards haven't been this unbelievable offense this year. He, he hasn't been, I think his usage has been, you know, more in the 27 or so range so far this year. So that's been a big uh, decline from where he was the last few years. But we're talking about a guy who's even right now, I would say is like maybe the 25th best player in the NBA. If you're, you know, like very low level all-star. And so these 35% of the cap plus player option plus no trade clause for that kind of a player, it would just be pretty surprising if this didn't become one of the worst contracts in the NBA on a year-to-year basis very quickly. Beal is not there now, but he, I'm expecting in the next couple of years, will enter the rarefied era of a player who has simultaneously a no trade clause and a NOAA trade clause. <laughs> that For those who haven't listened long enough, that's a player who doesn't have a no trade clause, but his contract is so bad that it's very hard to trade him. And with Wizards fans should be more familiar than almost anybody that a that being untradeable is a a temporary condition and b there are there are almost always worse contracts because of that Richard Lewis Gil, that was Richard and Gilbert Arenas right like that was yeah. or or John Wall and R- Russell Westbrook for that sure. matter yeah the, like the, the had, Wizards have been had... involved in a lot of these they they, they or uh, you go back to like. Jawan Howard and, and Mitch Richmond in like the early uh, Michael Jordan GM era. Well, and, and the other reason why this is very high on the list is because of that no trade clause, because that sure. means Beal wields so much more control. Remember, we're doing this from a team perspective over the process than every single other player on this list. And you could theoretically, you could have a deal in place. And also he can wield that in a lot of different ways. It could be, I want to go to this team. I'm I'm not going to accept a trade anywhere else. And so that makes it even more damaging for the Wizards. 
All right, your turn. I don't think he's going to make my final list, and it's super depressing. It's part of why he's not. But Lonzo Ball getting over $20 million a year for another two years, technically the final year as a player option, when we have no idea if he's going yeah. to play or how much. I, I mean, is he headed for a long-term injury exclusion? Like It almost feels like that at this point. It's... Yeah, I mean, we got that word from Billy Donovan earlier this week that like he's not even close to the next step in his process. Now, Ball being owed $42 million after this year, like that's just not relative to some of these contracts. That's not that much money. But what you're going to get from him is sadly likely a lot less. So like, for example, you compare Lonzo Ball to Tim Hardaway Jr. Like at least Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be on the floor for your team. Yeah, I'm trying to decide to who I would rather. I might still rather have Lonzo Ball just just on the opportunity because I think Hardaway Jr. You could find a replacement for him so easily that Lonzo Ball, I almost would rather just say, all right, there's only a 50% chance he's going to come back, but I'll just take that because he's really just so much work of, of a yeah, contributor. Like, to Lonzo a last team. year was so much better than Tim Hardaway has been any recent season when he was healthy. All right, let's do some quick, quick hitters here that won't obviously be considered, but you got Evan Fournier, one year, 18.9 million after this year, not even in the rotation. There's a team option, which eh, I think whatever team he's on might decline by the end of there. You've got, this is one that's very interesting. I think this guy could still be traded for semi-positive value, but th- this is one of those ones where he is an incredibly terrible contract on the team he's on, but actually would probably be like whatever fine on another team. That's James Wiseman. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Wiseman, so owed $12.1 million for next year. And theoretically, that team would also, if they wanted to, and extended qualifying offer, get restricted rights. It's very rare for a, a rookie-scale player to even be considered for this. I think Wiseman deserves consideration, but not serious placement. Our he old, could be pretty valuable for Oklahoma City this year. Sure. Our old friend Marvin Bagley III, $25 million remaining over two years after this year. That's distinctly not great. Yeah, and, and just again about him, like he's just doesn't have a position really. They're doing like this too big thing with him now, but he can't be a drop center. He can't switch. He does not quick enough. You know, so there's just, there's not really like a defensive scheme he could fit in. He hasn't shot the ball well enough to play the four offensively. So he really is just a backup rim running center who you're just trying to survive with him defensively. He can't be a starter. Um, so again, not one that's just going to kill you, but it's also, that's, that's more than the like all asinine decision rather than than just flat out worse contracts. While we're on that, Davis Bertans is owed a relatively similar 22 million in guaranteed money after this year, 17 mil for 23-24 and then a partial guarantee worth 5 million for 24-25 and that's not great. It's not going to be in the worst contracts, but it's there. And then I'm still more of a Rashawn Holmes believer, but 25 million over the next 2 years, second year player option for a guy who is now out of the rotation in Sacramento. Yeah, he wasn't playing well either. And he didn't no. play well last year. The player that he was two years ago obviously would have been worth this. But I think the fact that he's being outplayed by Trey Lyles and Chimezi Metu, that tells you all you need to know about where he is at this point. Now, the Kings, they've leaned into more of just a spacing type of system. They're not really doing a lot of just pure role man type of stuff like Holmes. But he really fell off, I thought, defensively last year as well. So, yeah, I mean, this is a tough one. I mean, that's it's hard to say that he's any better than Bagley at this point. I mean, maybe there's just, except for the slight chance that he could maybe rehabilitate. How old is he? He's like 28? Holmes is 29. 
Okay. What what else is kind of in this category of like, you know, just annoying to have around and and couldn't be traded for positive value, but not going to kill you. Landry Shamit. I mean, Shamit owed ten, basically ten million a year for this year and next year. Then two non-guaranteed seasons. I wonder where that's going to go. And Shamit deserves special honor. We don't do this as as a part of this podcast for being the least, def- maybe the least defensible contract when it was signed of anybody in this entire conversation. Where it was just he wasn't that good of a player then. He the Suns didn't need. Him. Him. They actually gave up positive value to get him. James Jones has done a very good job. This is not a piece of that very good job. Well, and actually, I think on a different team, he could be more useful. He's back up to 39% from three now, 59% true shooting, but he's going to, and he has the highest usage of his career as well highest turnovers also uh, because uh, they've had uh, been so limited at the guard position but he also he struggled to stay healthy in his career yep. as well uh, and uh, that's been, been an issue for him but on another team uh, you know he would be gracing out like those guys are very similar is i was more just critical of those particular teams acquiring them and signing them to the contracts that they did you know i would say Shamit on just some piddling team as a backup shooting guard like you know, fourth guard all right he's overpaid by four million or something like that but nothing terrible it's just on this team it never made sense to have him because he can't defend in the playoffs we can throw in a similar boat doug mcdermott 14 million basically for next year and he you know it's not it's not a positive value contract but it's insufficiently negative i wanted to ask you so there are some juicier rich con rich contracts for players that I don't think are in here now, but I'm wondering if you're getting closer to putting any of them in this worst contract. And I think the place to start there is with Jimmy Butler. He's, you know, he's doing well when he's been on the floor this year, but owed $146 million over the next three years, not this year, three years after that. Final year player option. That's a lot of money for anyone who's his age, even if Jimmy Butler is producing right now. Uh... Yeah, I mean, this is, um, he's never going to play more than 60 games in a season going forward, but obviously could still be traded for positive. Right. And, and for like me, he, he's such a good 16 game player. The playoffs he had last year, like, you can't put him on this list yet. There may be a time, but that time is not now. No, the, the, I mean, yeah, we could see him on this list two years from now, absolutely, but that's after you've gotten the two years. And he still is a very, very effective player. To me, this list starts with CJ McCollum, mm-hmm. where they gave him this extension when he had two years left on his contract, this two-year extension. So now it's three for 100, basically, after this year. CJ McCollum has a 48% true shooting this season. And yeah, he had, was getting back from some illness struggle. He's played 20 games. That's not a completely insubstantial sample size. And you know, he's passing a little bit more, but he's not really a pure point guard. He doesn't, he takes threes, but he's not just like an unbelievable, like off ball sh- type of shooting threat. He would like to get to his mid range jumper. And I think he's obviously going to be better this year going forward, but. His shooting at the rim has really declined so far this year, down to 54% and 33% from three. So, I mean, I think that's going to go back up. He's never been worse than 38% over a full season from three. And his long two-point shooting is also way off. So, I I think he's going to get there. But we're talking about someone who could be in your, like, 
53% true shooting type of level. I mean, 48% true shooting, that's nine percentage points below the league average at this point for a guy who doesn't really help you on defense. Well, and the reason that CJ deserves consideration in this is that like Bradley Beal, who is paid a lot more money, obviously, I don't think McCollum at this point is good enough offensively to be your best offensive player if you have real aspirations. And it's fortunate for the Pelicans that he doesn't have to be. They have Zion Williamson. They have Brandon Ingram. And so CJ can settle in as more of a complimentary player, but paying a complimentary player who is already in his 30s, this kind of money, paying him 35 million next year, 33.3 in 24-25 and 30.7 in 25-26. Good. It it does decline at least. That's helpful. Yes. Yeah. As will CJ. If he, yeah, but if he hadn't had, yeah, I mean, you're talking 32, 33, and 34 for a guy who's never been an all star. And yeah, the cap's going up like that last year. Maybe it won't be as bad. And and he does, he adds some leadership elements. He's helped legitimize the franchise. Seems like he's helpful in getting Zion Williamson back on the path. Now, he did all those things before they extended him. (laughs) They did with two years left on his deal. Like, I'm not sure why exactly they had to do that. Uh, He also, uh, I think he can't be traded until next year not that they're going to do that anyway so and he didn't have a great playoffs last year either it's we'll see on this one he could if he gets obviously if he plays at the level that he played at last year for this year and then three more years but that's probably not realistic and so we'll, we'll have to see maybe he could just evolve into more of a spot-up guy playing off of Zion and that's where he can get some value like I, I think he, he's gonna play hard he's gonna do his best to figure it out you know he's a really high character guy so it's hard for me to put this quite in the top five yet but I think of all these ones where it's like like we could look back at the end of this season and be like oh my god what did they just pay this guy uh you know 35 million dollars for this year and you know he was really bad this year and now he's got three more years left like that's could be rough it could be um two rookie recent rookie scale extensions that i want to talk about i'm not sure where they'll fit in are deandre hunter and rj barrett barrett making 107 million over the four years after this year hunter 90 million and our friend john hollinger framed this well when talking about hunter's extension basically that with the new money that's coming in it was hard to create a (laughs) negative value contract for a player as young because remember rookie scale players they're always young this is the age 25 season for deandre hunter and i think of hunter's contract even though it's much yeah. smaller what did, what did he say it's hard but not impossible, impossible. to give out a back bad contract on a rookie and, and so the with hunter the the question that i've been grappling with is like yeah he's he's dealt with health issues and forwards are incredibly valuable but it's like how how long has he played at a full-on starter level and he he can and the hope for the hawks is that he will so i i think it's a negative value contract i don't think it's deep enough underwater though yeah and he still has the ability he's shown he has played at a level at times like for short short periods of course but you know start of the 21 season the series against the heat to where he's shown enough potential to justify and maybe even exceed this contract also seeing how much they're struggling without him yeah he's not 
some unbelievably great shakes and he's not so good defensively he takes too many twos and it doesn't finish well at the rim or even get there and all we're well aware of all the flaws in his game but he's at least a body at that position and when you don't have a body at that position we're finding out what that's like for the Hawks since he's been out that they've really looked terrible so that's at least a guy who's like all right we could throw him on these good wings as like a credible threat he's not gonna get totally overwhelmed he's not gonna just get totally left open on the other side like that he's never I I guess what I would say is it's like it's gonna be tough for him to be worth just like so much less than the 20 million agreed and because of the positional scarcity he benefits from that and then with RJ he's having a rough start to the year but I think he's a better player than he has been so far and he can continue to improve seems like a hard worker so I'm not but you know I, I think there's a distinct chance that a year or two from now we're looking at it and going yeah I wish I bet they wish they didn't have him at that kind of price Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of these contracts, which again, this is, these big extensions are making this so hard because there aren't that many guys who are like, man, they are bad now. And they're like basically never going to play again. Like there, you don't have your John Walls, your Blake Griffins from like three years ago. Like there isn't really anyone out there. Yes, this is at that the, level right this now. This is the best worst contract list I think I've 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 ever recall doing. Yeah, so we're kind of having to project out a little bit more than we normally would. I, I mean, the number of guys guys who are just like, wow, this guy sucks, and he's making thirty million. There are very few of those. It's just like okay, we, the normal progression is there gonna if you follow this out they're not gonna be worth that I, I so and now some of those have turned out to be right like we had russell westbrook who even got traded for positive value i think back in 2020 as like actually on this list at the time because he got traded for chris ball who was thought to be even worse which of course was completely wrong and also someone like chris ball like a guy who's had that level of performance can 
potentially get back to that at, at times too so uh yeah i mean i guess that's m- maybe previewing who i might have as the worst contract in the nba of just to find the player who is making this much money and is actually just actively bad right now like there really aren't too many of those is there anyone else who falls into that category i don't really well okay so maybe there is zach levine i don't know if he's actively bad right now but he can't do anything inside the arc he can't finish he's one of six at the rim last night even even though like he's he get hot from the outside but he's also a bad defender so this is one where he's just starting a five-year deal and he's well overpaid even this year and your just hope is like well he had knee surgery so he's gonna get better but that's kind of like a 50 50 proposition and, and we're pretty far into the season and the other thing too is it's like he had this knee soreness like not playing back to backs early in the season in camp that came out of nowhere so it's it seems like whatever knee issues he had the surgery didn't completely fix them and if he had had no issue he'd be like okay you know he's working his way back from the surgery he's getting better and better but yeah i mean I, I given the way he's played and some of the issues that he's had in terms of missing time not being able to play back to bats etc that's that's concerning like it, I think it's, conser- it's concerning and on top of that the i mean not only because levine is 27 now and so the idea that it's going to take him time were he to become the guy that he was but that that best iteration of zach levine was a very positive player but to me wasn't like an all nba guy and so you're not waiting on top 10 top 15 player in the league you're yeah. waiting on top 25 and, and so- again again the, the same thing even the history and now he was younger than a lot of these guys you know who maybe were getting this contract at like 29 and 27 but the history of guys at his level even guys who are at sort of like a third team all nba level getting the 30 percent max on their third contract is poor and is. the cap is going up but as you noted, Zach wasn't even quite at that level, and he also has the injury risk. Injury present. It's not even a risk. It's there already. And yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I blame that for part of his his struggles so far. And so Levine is, yeah, he, he's there. And then I will just mention briefly, there are a number of players who we don't, we hope never make it for this list, but because of their injury risk, I just want to mention that they could make it later on. That group includes Zion Williamson. We don't really know the full protections in his contract yet. Uh, Joel Embiid. Michael yeah, I, I think Jr. we can assume though that the those protections aren't going to bail the team out unless he's like missing entire seasons. It, it's uh, my theory is it's going to be like Embiid, where you have to cut him entirely and right. m- like multiple years in advance to to you know to get that at some point. So we don't know for sure. And like Michael Porter Jr. has a partial guarantee on that last year. There, might, I can't remember if there's a trigger on it. And Embiid, like all those guys, if they're healthy, no questions asked. But well, so so yeah, I guess that well, that's a, a question on Porter Jr. If he is the way he played this year one healthier though he's now missed time with this nebulous heel issue since then but uh the way he's played this year you feel like he's worth that contract that he no. just continued that level of play uh, i mean so he's he's making 43 percent of his threes but he's way less efficient from two than he was in those best years yeah the dunks are are way lower if right so i don't think he's that, like I, I think he's if you assumed reasonable health um but just this level of play I think he's about neutral, maybe slight negative. 
Yeah, so his last healthy season, he had 75 dunks in 61 games. And this season, he has five dunks in 16 games. Right. Or if you want to think about it this way, it was 9.5% of the field goals he took versus 2.4 so far this year. Worth noting that he's played basically more of the three on offense and played more of the four his last healthy year. But that's not enough to result in that discrepancy. And two-point shooting last healthy year was 63%. It's 51% this year. So, yeah, I mean, he's kind of like, you know, 6'10" great three-point shooter but he's not doing a ton else let's see if there's anything else that pops out for you yeah offensive rebounding was uh, higher before as well uh, although again that's a little bit playing with Aaron Gordon now and, and just can't there I don't he doesn't have the ability to me to get the usage up much beyond the 22 percent that he's at right now and I, I think he's enough of an injury risk that it's hard to see him really improving a ton and I think he's always going to be on kind of the maintenance plan like it was good to see him shoot the ball well which he wasn't obviously before the back injury but he is not the same athletically i would say as two years ago he's only 24 so it shouldn't be at a time where he's naturally gonna drop off that much Nate, I'll give you the choice on whether we do this before or after, but the I, I created a category for this of players that could sign contracts in the next 12 months that will eventually make this list. Would you rather do our top five and then do that, or would you rather do that first? Uh, we Maybe we should save that one for another time, because sure. I think we may be running out of time here. But sure. we're... Let's let's we're, let's do our top five. Three minutes in. Uh, yeah, is there anyone else that needed to get mentioned here, just as like possibilities? I mean, you and I have been frustrated by Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract, thirty-four million after this year over two years, and he has a replaceable skill set. He is making he's made more threes over the last like six games or so, yeah. but he's now, not now that he's starting. That it, it seems like it's been better. Uh, yeah, Yusuf Nurkic is one where it, he's probably overpaid by like a couple million right now, but that could fall off. I, you actually mentioned in our prep here Kawhi Leonard, and you know, he is due basically $95 million over the next two years after this one with a player option. And that's at some point, I'd like to see him like play 10 games in a row or or even 10 games 10 games out back of to backs in a row yeah exactly um hasn't looked amazing when he's been available um you know the big guard contracts hero pool sexton sexton is low enough to me that i shouldn't he shouldn't be in this conversation uh but pool and hero you know four for 120 pool is hero four for 123 guaranteed with some reachable incentives maybe into the 126 or so range for pool hero's been hurt again and it's taking a little bit of a step forward pool it's it's just tough we we, but it's too early to say on those like i don't think either of those were like seemed crazy at the time and i'm not gonna ring the alarm after 20 games of this season for those guys but they're also it's out there they're also young enough that it's not like the con aging isn't going to kill those contracts it could be their own play of course just like it is for other players but it's not going to be like you don't you don't have the same fears you have different fears lebron could fall off at any time he's making 50 million each of the next two years that's just one to keep an eye on obviously it's not not the case right now joel Embiid, his supermax doesn't kick in until next season and then it's four years after that for at basically 50 million a year uh with a player option i get it like the the thing about joel though is like it's really been more the nagging stuff like he hasn't had any major major injuries uh since his rookie year so i I think it's gonna be okay he's still pretty big 
I wonder maybe more about his defense. Doesn't keep himself in amazing shape. So just just want to kind of keep an eye on here. And yeah, all right, let's do our top five here. As to much me, as it, yeah, good. Sorry. As as much as it hurts my heart, I'm gonna have Lonzo Ball at fifth just because I'm concerned that he's not going to play at all. And if he's healthy, I think he's positive value on this contract. But the idea that he's that he's not, uh, so it's forty two million over the see, next. Two see, years. I think I think if. He's not going to play at all. Then they could just get a long-term injury exclusion for him, and it's not that bad. Like I think hmm. that possibility, because and then I think if I, he I plays, I really don't consider that. But that is an interesting argument. Yeah, if he plays, I think he'll at least give you something. Um, okay, I respect that, that. That's my hope. Um, okay, so so that was that's your number. So we're going five to one. I find it. Or easier do you want to go? go or do you want to start at one? I think I find it. I just find it easier to do it that way personally. Okay. Sure. Um, because there's also like a clear number one to me, and that's Ben Simmons. Oh, see, I I have Bradley Beal at number one. Yeah. It's it's just that like Simmons is the only one that fall. He's got the trifecta of being ineffective right now, being an injury risk and having a huge contract. Like, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like if you tried to trade Bradley Beal or Ben Simmons, like, yeah, there's still, even if it was Bradley Beal with the no trade clause, like if you wanted to be traded and you could only trade him to one team, you would still get positive but, value for But him, teams, I, te- I see it differently than other teams do. I mean, it's the same, you know, there are players that we've had on this list have gotten traded for positive value before. I, I don't see it. I'm not trying to calibrate on the rest of the league. I'm trying to calibrate yeah. on me. And okay. Beal, okay. Beal's owed so much more money for so much longer, and he's a lot older that I have Simmons too. Like this isn't we don't have them far apart. But the other part for Simmons is he's been I think he's been a lot worse so far this season than I expect him to be overall. And so he's flawed and he's not a great part of a of a great team. And Beal actually has a better complementary skill set for a better squad. Yeah. But my inclination is that the that that he'll age out of that at least a little bit. He's a Beal is a very limited defender and the just the overall contract and the no trade clause. Like, I, I, mean, I wouldn't say Beal is a very limited defender. I think he's actually been better this year. Like he'll he'll switch on to guys at the end of games and like be credible. Like I, I think with the, on a good team, I think he would be totally fine. It's so rare. I mean, with him, like, <laughs> I think he could step it up for moments, but like meh, I'm I'm not like I mean. Game to game, possession to possession. I don't believe in his defense. Do you have yeah, Beal so, second? Uh, well, well, but one last thing I want to say. I, I guess we have a difference in philosophy then, which is surprising that this is just coming out now, like our seventh year of doing this. But yeah, to me, the fact that he could be traded for positive value, it's like, so you're viewing it more of just like, hey, you're stuck with this contract and what is the difference between the production this player is going to do? But uh, to me, if you can be spared of the consequences of that by being able to move him for positive value, whatever you but, want, to like that mitigates it if the idea i mean to me the idea of that is that the other team is making a mistake like this is my evaluation of the player like then your argument is because because one general manager rob palenka made a stupid decision with russell westbrook his contract isn't that bad no it was bad it was just that rob palenka is bad at his job okay yeah i I think that's that's reasonable i think it's there's maybe a difference in evaluating the decision to give the player the contract versus just how it yeah, compares. Yeah, and, and I will with say Beals production. is not nearly as egregious to me as Westbrook's was at the time Polinka traded. Like sure, this is sure. not where, as I said, this is the least bad worst contracts I think we've ever done. Yeah, but I'm going to go with Ben Simmons because he's making like forty million dollars a year and he's not good. So for two years, that's that's he's the only player who's making above thirty million for two years after this one, and he's bad right now, and he has an injury and uh who knows a, a mental approach risk and he's also impossible to fit around even if he does play to whatever people think his level is 
So yeah, I, I would go Simmons. You you're going be who's your number two? Simmons is my number two for basically the reasons you articulated, and I I I think it's probably closer for me than it is for you. It seemed like you had Simmons in a tier by himself, but the the way that he fits so poorly on a lot of teams is a major consideration for me. If his contract was longer, he would be number one. But you, I think you can live with two more years. It doesn't, you know, it, it hamstrings your team, doesn't hamstring it forever. But I'm very interested in, well, I'm interested in your next one, whether it's your number two or like kind of, kind of whether your number two is Beal or whether it's someone else. I'm going to go with Zach Levine. Okay. I think it's, as we mentioned, I think he would have been right on the borderline of being overpaid this season at the 30% max, even at the level that he had been at before. He's well below that level now. The athletic markers, watching him, everything that you would be looking at indicates that he's having issues. The fact that he's already had two surgeries on this knee, the fact that it's he all of a sudden was just missing games at the start of the season due to the surgery. So A, even I, I think there's a, a very good chance this was going to be a bad contract by the end, even if he just was back to his normal level this year. And I'm just think there's a more likely than not chance that he never gets back to his side, which is sad because I, I thought he was actually even a slightly underrated player at his best, even at the start of last year before the issues started. But I mean, and this is final year player option. Like this is going out more than $40 million a year this is this is a tough contract and uh maybe people won't realize it yet i think uh, part of this is me making the bet that he's just not going to get back to where he was the last couple of years if he did that then maybe he would be you know kind of in the six or seven range or something but i mean I, I just fear this is going to never really get there and he's, he's just going to be a you know average shooting guard maybe well and, if that would you consider his defense you've convinced me to move so i have i have i had levine fourth i'm moving him to third um in part because like one of the weird things about the Bulls last year is that DeMar DeRozan was meaningfully better than Zach Levine and they were both a part of the success but I mean what's not like Levine was the best part of what what went well for Chicago the Bulls were significantly better in the DeRozan only minutes than the Levine only minutes DeRozan was their crunch time king and so Levine doesn't have positional versatility on defense I don't think he's a good enough shooter for his game to age like incredibly well like the the idea of well, what will reduced athleticism do for him? He's still a good shooter, but like the idea that he'll just... I don't know, age into like what Lillard, for example, like I think I think that will work better living significantly younger than Damian Lillard. But but I think Lillard to me, and we'll have to see where he's at after this full season, right? Like he could struggle through an injury marred campaign and never fully ramp up to the level he was at a couple of years. I mean, he's had some huge games this year, so you know he has it in him, but maybe you just can't catch that consistently. But I think Damian Lillard is a player who, if he got traded this year, could swing a championship. Whereas I don't think that the other guys who I'm going to be mentioning here that so Lillard is not on my list right now he, he is just not on mine either present just because that president I just have a lot of respect for him and, and hey if we get to the end of the year and it's like it's not looking good you know he'll he'll be very prominently featured next year I'm guessing I'm in the same boat um so so you do you have Levine second or do you have him third I have him second okay and my number three this is another one where maybe I'm just overrating what we're seeing so far here I actually go with CJ McCollum number three. Oh wow okay he he was my he was my sixth I guess you could say I was choosing between CJ and Alonzo. Yeah. And we already kind of went through the logic there. It's that he's, you know, McCollum's not an all-star level player now, hasn't really been. And we expect him to go down from this point, owed a lot of money. Yeah. And another another guy who's just a, a tough fit 
to some degree as well. Not a great passer, not a good defensive player. That's only going to get worse. I mean, I, I do think I do value the intangibles with him to some degree, but and maybe that's why I don't feel great about this. But I, I mean, we thought that the extension that he was given out in 2019 was bad. And I think he was probably even slightly below water on that. And now, you know, again, for 32, 33, 34, over 30 million a year for him, it is declining. That helps a little bit, but not not a ton. And and maybe he'll prove me wrong or maybe he'll just have some like great playoff moments this year and that will make make this all worth it. But uh, I'm just I'm very scared with how he's been playing right now. Speaking of very scared with how he's playing right now, my number four is Rudy Gobert. And the idea that he can be better than than he has played so far is definitely present for me. But Gobert making over $40 million a year for an additional three years with a player option on that last one and not quite having that defensive player of the year level right now. And I think he will continue to deteriorate over the years of this contract and being extremely offensively limited. It's very concerning and he can the idea that he's, he's not a heliocentric defensive player potentially at this point and I could feel this might just be an overreaction I acknowledge that possibility but there actually aren't that many players making this kind of money who I'm as scared about right now though there are others who could join him very soon I think that's fair I had Gobert at number five and, I, and the other thing too is I just I think particularly as his mobility wanes that he's just can't be the type of player where yeah he's overpaid but he's going to put you over the top into championship contention like I, I think this move to Minnesota has kind of shown that that's not necessarily in him anymore I think there's a time where it might have been on the right team and he just didn't have the right team around him but I, I think particularly with his offensive limitations where his style just doesn't work as well in the playoffs and I think also he's not going to be nearly as good at switching on the other players and guarding in isolation as he was in the past as time goes on so he was my number five and then i had beal as my four okay all right well i'm not gonna say this was fun but i think it was was illuminating (laughs) i i I guess it's if you're gonna criticize anyone i think when you can take your 130 million dollars remaining on your contract over three years to the bank you they could probably take it i guess these people are all very very good in their chosen field and have been properly compensated for it i'm sure they're okay yes and also no one listens to us so it's fine it's not this is not going to get back to one of these players so don't worry about it i I love when fans like treat one of my tweets as if i have specifically just used a bullhorn to yell it into their poor young players ear and and get all bent out of shape about how mean i am all right this is fun there you go you happy about that and we'll talk to you all again tomorrow to wrap out the week reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 